0: Cleared for takeoff, runway 08, orbital insertion approved. Let's go. Hey, what is up, everyone? This is Jay Simpson, and you're listening to the Ignited Flight Podcast, where we bring information and inspiration for everything aeronautics and astronautics. Like I said, my name is Jay. I'm an entrepreneur, an investor, a disciple maker, and I'm also a private pilot and spaceflight enthusiast. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, we're gonna be talking about Unity 22. Unity 22, of course, being the first demonstration mission from Virgin Galactic to demonstrate commercial flight to the boundary of space. This recently just happened on July the 11th, 2021, And my what an accomplishment it was, Virgin Galactic successfully flew its Unity 22 space plane to the boundary of space. I do want to indicate that this is quite an accomplishment. In our previous episode that I entitled the July 2021 Space Race, I mentioned that I wasn't fully confident that Virgin Galactic would be successful. And again, not that I don't support Virgin Galactic, but just looking at their past history and also understanding kind of their goals, I I was not certain if they would be able to do it. Also, with the idea that it seemed almost as if they were trying to rush ahead to beat Blue Origin, which their flight is scheduled on July the 20th, just nine days after. And well, I couldn't be more wrong. They were definitely successful. A very successful flight, mission accomplished. And a major milestone reached for the company. And I, again, want to celebrate that fact because there have been a lot of individuals, a lot of people on the ground, a lot of effort in testing and manufacturing, and honestly, a lot of new developments that have been made specifically for Unity 22. And I do want to celebrate that and congratulate Virgin Galactic. And again, we want to talk about this today in more detail because I know that you're wanting some more information about how this went down. So again, July 11, 2021 was the flight. And in the morning, you had six individuals that went ahead and boarded Unity 22. Of course, the first was the founder and CEO of Virgin Galactic. Sir Richard Branson. And again, I can't blame him. If he's invested this much time, effort, and energy into making sure that his dream becomes a reality and literally providing a gateway for commercial activity right to the boundary of space, um, I mean, kudos for him. I would be on board my own (laughs) spacecraft. So he was actually one of the six that were on board. Of course, there there were three other mission specialists, one being Beth Moses. She is the chief astronaut instructor. She'd actually flown on another, previous test flight. There was also Colin Bennett. He is the lead flight operations engineer. Again, he had the privilege of kind of looking over the vehicle, seeing how the performance was. um, While Beth was, of course, kind of taking it in from the experience of how a passenger would take it. And finally, Sarisha Bandla. She is the VP of Government Affairs and Research Operations. Also very integral into this whole process of creating uh, Unity 21, uh, Unity 22. I'm sorry, and uh, flying in 2021. And uh, so she was also on board with Sir Richard Branson and that kind of completed the crew complement of four people as you recall the Unity 22 spacecraft uh, basically that space plane can hold six individuals total two pilots and four passengers now the pilots on board were Dave McKay and Michael Masucci and again Dave having some prior flight experience and Michael kind of being a little bit newer to this but again amazing flight everything went off perfectly and I do want to mention also So also in the background, the people that should be really mentioned as well are the mothership pilots. As you recall, the the whole idea, the concept from Virgin Galactic is that their space plane rides on the belly of a larger aircraft and it kind of hitches a ride up until about 45,000, 50,000 feet, where then it detaches and completes the rest of its mission. So the pilots of that mothership, in this case being the VMS EVE, um, they are highly important and integral to mission success. And they were Kelly Latimer and CJ Sturkow. So congratulations to everyone involved. A very successful flight overall. And again, this taking place on a Sunday morning, you saw the whole complete vehicle, both with EVE and Unity strapped together, take off from Spaceport America in New Mexico, which of course is the first um, purposeful Spaceport ever created in the world and so they took off from Spaceport America and they climbed again to that altitude of about 45,000 feet and then they proceeded with their countdown very similar to a launch of a traditional rocket here on earth there's a countdown in place Uh, as both vehicles prepare for separation and for Unity to ignite its engine and take off. So at T-0, the call was made for detach, 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 and you see Unity 22 go ahead and separate from VMS Eve. Shortly thereafter, you saw Unity 22's hybrid rocket engine fire up and it fired perfectly and I've mentioned before this is probably the area that was of most concern to me not that they would not make safe decisions whether to fly or not to fly but historically that engine has been a source of potential issues just because of the complexity of it again this being a hybrid rocket engine um, it is neither just solid fuel or uh, liquid or gas fuel it is a combination of both mixing together which gives you some unique properties of both benefiting one another but again, historically, this engine has been a little bit more challenging, both on the development and operation side, and it worked perfectly. So congratulations to that engineering team. You should be proud of yourself. Um, so you saw Unity 22 go in and fire up its engines. You saw the pilots, again, take this vehicle and kind of point it nose upwards. And it's it's really an incredible sight. If you've had the opportunity to check out the video of this, it's really quite amazing as you see the detachment, and then you see VMS Eve, the large mothership, kind of roll Roll to the left slightly out of the way and then you see unity going to fire up its rocket engine at altitude and then take off and careen highward, you know straight up in the sky heading towards its trajectory for flight It really is incredible. It's it's still very all inspiring to see this And I think it's important to say this again um, of all the vehicles This probably is not my favorite, but it still is an incredible machine and an incredible work of art and it's inspiring It's inspiring to see um, This kind of thing actually take place Place and uh, these kind of achievements being made. So again, congratulations to the team. Um, so again, the engine fired perfectly. It fires for about 60 seconds and uh, goes all the way up uh, to its... its. Uh, kind of cruising altitude where the engine shuts down, the vehicle continues to climb till it reaches apogee, and then it prepares for re-entry. But right after it crossed an altitude of 50 miles, uh, Sir Richard Branson shared an incredible sentiment. And the intent was for this sentiment to be shared live, but because of some communication issues, we weren't able to hear it live in the moment, but we were able to see this uh, play out later and uh, just get the 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 audio and the video for that matter from um, the actual cabin where the these individuals were flying aboard and this is what Sir Richard Branson said at that point that he crossed that 50-mile line um, And again, for that 50-mile line, um, we're going to talk about this in a moment, but that is one definition of a boundary of space. So once they cross the 50-mile line, both the pilots said, welcome to space, the people on the ground said, you know, they've transitioned into space. And at that point, Sir Richard Branson shared this sentiment. He said, to all you kids down there, I was once a child with a dream, looking up to the stars. Now I'm an adult in a spaceship with lots of other wonderful adults looking down to our beautiful, beautiful Earth. To the next generation of dreamers, if we can do this, just imagine what you can do. That's a powerful statement, and I love how it is geared towards the next generation. Just the encouragement, and I think that's been really key with all aspects of spaceflight. Is that as we have seen different countries take these endeavors forward, be it on the private sector or you know from a government standpoint, it really is an accomplishment. It, it stirs your spirit, and it does make you say, "Well." If that's possible, what else can be possible? And I love how that's directed uh, to the next generation because, quite honestly, the accomplishments that we are doing as a society as Virgin Galactic is making in this endeavor, it's just paving the way for what will come in the future, which is hopefully more of a space-faring civilization. So I love how he directed that straight over to uh, the younger generation. It was a a very well-put-together statement, and I just give it to Sir Richard Branson. I have a lot of respect for him, and it definitely proved true in that moment as well. Um, And again, I want to comment there as well, uh, talking to you personally, Like if I finally reached the place where I was seeing space, um, it takes a lot of humility to give up a, a portion of that moment uh, to be able to share that message to other people on the ground. And, you know, I don't make light of that. That was probably 25% of his time that he had in weightlessness that he stayed trapped in his seat and just wanted to convey those thoughts. So, again, I just ton of respect for you, Sir Richard, and uh, I, I'm pleased that you took that time out of that very special moment just to kind of pass those statements on to the next generation unity 22 continued to climb upwards and again as the vehicle the engine shuts down what's unique about this space plane is the feathering configuration and this is where the back half of the tail portion of the spacecraft actually folds up at almost a 90 degree angle and this is actually in preparation for re-entry to make it as streamlined as possible those winged tail areas are not necessary it's actually counterinducive to the re-entry parameters but obviously so you want them for a landing sequence as Unity 22 does land like an aircraft on a runway. So whenever the, um, that whole feathering configuration takes place and the aircraft, the space plane I should say, kind of folds up, it actually positions the cabin in a way that looks straight down at the Earth so across all these 17 different windows um, through the cabin uh, it gives you just incredible views of uh, just the the earth from that from that area Um, just really really incredible just spacious and just being able to see all those things Um, the one thing i will say is that those windows do point downward now some of those you kind of you can see horizontally but i think i would want to see not just what was below me but also i want to see into the grandeur of space As well Um, but so the the vehicle shut down the engine it configures in that feathering position and then it continues to climb with what's left of the velocity that it was carrying um, from the rocket burn from the hybrid engine and it reached its apogee which is the top of its trajectory path this is the point where it runs out of energy of climb if you will at apogee and then it begins its descent back to earth and it hit its apogee at 282,773 feet Uh, To the best of my knowledge, that seemed to be the point. 282,773 feet. Um, That's not the official number, but that's the rough approximation as close as I could get it. And that basically equates out to 53.5 miles or 86.189 kilometers. Now, once you remember those numbers real quick, I know they're a lot there, but 53.5 basically above 50 miles and then specifically the 86.189 kilometers is what that equates out to. This is important because it falls short of the 100 kilometer line or the boundary uh, known as the Kármán line. Now, this Kármán line was set up by the FAI, or the Fédération Avionique Internationale, if I can pronounce it correctly. Um, but basically, they have set the standard for space standards, if you will, and they have identified that 100, 100 kilometer line, the Kármán line, or 62.13 miles, as the definition of where space actually begins. And again, there is no clear-cut lines, like you cross a point and you see a sign that says, welcome to space. But that's where generally most people, in fact, about over 95% of people agree, that is where the boundary of space actually begins, is the 100 kilometer line. And again, um, Virgin Galactic's Unity 22 does not, as part of its flight plan, go to that high of an altitude. It sits right around just below it at the 86, point, 86 kilometer, 282,000 feet line. Um, it's important though, so why does Virgin Galactic then say that it actually is a space flight? Well, both the FAA and NASA define space uh, that boundary as 50 miles, not the 100 kilometers, 62.13 miles. They just define it as 50 miles. And some of that dates back to some of the very early um, test flights of both aircraft vehicles pushing their limits and then early spacecraft. Um, because they again, with the Air Force... Um, that you can actually get your astronaut wings depending on the altitude at which you fly. So some of that dates back to all that way, but the the important thing I want to point out here is that while it does fall short of the 100 kilometer line, it does cross over an area that we call the Mesopause. Now the Mesopause is the boundary between the Mesophere the mesosphere, sorry, and the thermosphere. And that's different areas of our atmosphere. But crossing over that mesopause is at 86.182 kilometers. And UD 22 went to 86.189 kilometers. So 0.189 kilometers versus 0.182 kilometers. So just barely getting over that threshold of the mesopause, which I think is also a great accomplishment. And I want to point that out. Um, now, I know there's a lot of... Um, Talk back and forth. Was this really a space flight? Was it not? And again, you're hearing my opinion on this. I, while I think this is a great endeavor, I personally don't consider this a space flight. Yeah, you can hate me for that. That's fine. You could you can reach out to me on Instagram and tell me that you disagree with me. But for my opinion, since it doesn't cross that 100 kilometer line, um, I don't think we can count that as a space flight. And I think you can obviously, it is an incredible experience to the boundary of space. But it doesn't really cross into the area of spaceflight, which then calls into question if you're an individual riding aboard. Um, Unity 22 or any of the further spacecraft that Virgin Galactic produces that still fly below the 100 kilometer line should you be called an astronaut. And to kind of relay my point with that, um, I think that's shared among many other people in the industry. One of them being Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, Tyson was recently interviewed after this flight, and of course Tyson is a incredible mind of our era, um, a major influence in astrophysics and uh, just incredible knowledge when it comes to space. And spaceflight and everything that involves those particular things from a science standpoint. But Tice even made the comment briefly after the flight that Branson's flight was not truly a spaceflight as it, it did not enter space because it did not cross this boundary. And in cross-referencing this, um, I checked out several other websites that track the individuals that literally have been into space, and they have not listed the passengers' Um, aboard Unity 22 as being people that have crossed into space and have become astronauts, except for one who was on a different mission and actually did cross that boundary into space. So, altogether, that's the one minor thing, is that, do we call these individuals astronauts? Is this really a space flight? In my opinion, no, it's not. It's still an incredible accomplishment, and I do not want to minimize that because it is an incredible feat for what they've accomplished, but at the same point, um, I, I... Again, I don't think you're really going into space if you're on this type of flight plan. Altogether, the entire experience was about an hour and a half total um, from going out to the mothership and loading up in Unity 22, climbing to altitude, detaching, and then flying off to the boundary of space. Um, uh, roughly about 14 minutes of that is aboard, I mean, you're aboard Unity 22 the entire time, but when Unity 22 has been separated from the mothership, and then it fires its engine, goes to Apogee, and then comes back and lands, that whole portion is about 14 minutes, and what I want to point out too is that of those 14 minutes, four of them, roughly, just four or slightly under four are four minutes of weightlessness. And of course, that's a very key component of you know being a, a commercial passenger is I want to experience that. I mean, where else am I going to get a legitimate experience of weightlessness? And so that's something very, very key. It's a big selling point of any commercial spaceflight activity. And with Virgin Galactic, the way that their mission runs, they actually do get more weightlessness than say a Blue Origin. Blue Origin with their flight and their new Shepard rocket and capsule, they roughly get about three minutes. So you get about four minutes aboard... Um, Virgin Galactic on Unity 22. And again, I have to point out they really spent so much time designing that cabin. That cabin was superb. Um, The way that it was laid out, you have plenty of room to move about and just to really get the full experience as much as possible. Uh, And again, if you have seen the video of their flight, you can still see that large concave or convex mirror that's in the back of the spacecraft so that way you can see yourself doing somersaults. Totally cool. So uh yeah so that was really neat and again the whole thing went off without a hitch it was a perfectly good flight um they went back from the feathered position going through the transition through the atmosphere then um locking the the tail back into the the flight position came in very smooth landing back at spaceport america they brought the vehicle back to the hangar right afterwards and it was literally literally like yeah we were just gone for a little bit and now we're back and of course, Virgin Galactic really made sure to make this a very key event and a memorable experience for both the the people that boarded the flight, as well as individuals that were attending and celebrating afterwards. Uh, they brought in Khalid, who had a very special new song for its first release called New Normal. So he performed that song live there. And then also um, he played a, another song afterwards, I believe, which is really special just for the moment. I'm also told that that same song, New Normal, was actually played for the crew once they crossed over that 50-mile boundary inside the spacecraft. And again, that's really cool, too. Like, uh, I don't know what their intent is going forward, but, like, maybe you have a custom song. Maybe you can pick it out. But uh, just to have the right background music for an experience like that, that's, uh, that's something important. If it was me, I think I... I'm not sure I would want something really... Um, you know, bold. I think I want like something ethereal sounding in the background to kind of give that mood or that environment. Let's just be anyway. Who am I to say? Um, but anyway, they came back, they landed, there was this concert afterwards, which was great. And then probably the big key moment is what uh, a lot of people are looking forward to having gone on this flight is the astronaut wings pin- pinning ceremony. And this is where you receive astronaut wings for being aboard that flight. And again, this calls into question, are they really astronauts or not because of where they went in their trajectory of their flight? And again, per Virgin Galactic, they're calling them. So we're going to roll with it for this portion of our conversation. The wings that they had designed are very unique. They actually look like sycamore seeds. So like the fluttering seeds that come out of trees that, Um, and they kind of helicopter down. There are two of those that are made into um, a wing formation. So very, very unique. Um, It doesn't really look like aviation wings though. Um, So if you've ever seen like a U.S. Air Force um, uh, pin that shows their wings, that they're a pilot, it looks more like wings, like eagle wings. And I, I don't know, I was expecting something along those lines. Um, I was a little disappointed with the design, and again, if it had been me and that had been pinned on me, I just like, ah, I'm not so sure. It's not what I was envisioning in my mind. But again, this is what Virgin Galactic has come up with. I'm very curious to see what Blue Origin does, because they, I believe, are planning a similar ceremony um, where you will get pinned on astronaut wings as well. And again, in my opinion, since Blue Origin is crossing that 100-kilometer line, that is a legitimate um, astronaut rating classification. So those, in my opinion, I think that would be more appropriate. But they did have that wonderful ceremony afterwards and all in all just an incredible flight altogether. Um, so Virgin Galactic right now um, they're planning a few more test flights in the next coming months and then their first paid flights are in 2022. They're really um, aiming for that at the beginning of next year. I don't see any reason why that wouldn't happen unless there's more technical problems. But if this uh, flight was any proof, like this thing went on perfectly. So again, congrats to Virgin Galactic, Sir Richard Branson and the team. Uh, you guys did an incredible job and really proud of your accomplishment. They are estimating that right now one of these seats will go for roughly $250,000 a seat to board this aircraft or this space plane, we will see how that turns out in actuality when they actually announce the public pricing. And uh, so we'll be keeping an eye on that and definitely we will keep you posted as we see that in the future. So I want to ask you, what do you think? Does the Virgin Galactic flight count as a space flight? Is this something that you would ride aboard or are you more like me and you are waiting for Blue Origin aboard the New Shepard capsule? I would love to know. So feel free to reach out to me and let me know your opinion on all this, whether you agree or disagree. I would love to have a conversation with you. You can reach out to me on Instagram. My handle there is at J now. That's J-A-Y-S-I-M-N-O-W. I would love to hear your feedback from this episode, any questions you might have or future value that you would like to gain from this podcast. And as always, I hope that you leave this episode feeling inspired. Thanks for joining me on the Ignited Flight podcast and have a stellar day.